on today's episode, incorporating Nordics into your rehab with Damien McMahon. Welcome to the podcast, helping you overcome your proximal hamstring tendinopathy. This podcast is designed to help you understand this condition, learn the most effective evidence-based treatments, and of course, bust the widespread misconceptions. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm an online physiotherapist, recreational athlete, creator of the Run Smarter series, and a chronic proximal hamstring tendinopathy battler. Whether you are an athlete or not, this podcast will educate and empower you in taking the right steps to overcome this horrible condition. So let's give you the right knowledge along with practical takeaways in today's lesson. Doing something a bit different today. I had Damien um, reach out on Instagram. I started following his uh, Nordic T Bar account and he reached out and said, Thanks for following. Um, here's the product. And I sort of got a bit inquisitive and started asking him about it and mentioned that I have um, the Run Smarter podcast, but also the PHT podcast. And this product is looks great. Uh, I have seen myself, which I talk about in the interview a little bit. There's so many times I want to prescribe Nordic exercises to running clients and people with PHT. And it's such a struggle if they don't have a gym with the right setup to find a place in the house or to find the right equipment or the right setup to, to do these Nordic exercises. And I thought it was great. And he said, Hey, how about I um, send one over? I said, yeah, if you could send one over, let me um, try it out. And then potentially we could uh, get you on the podcast to chat about it and talk about hamstrings, talk about PHT recovery and talk about some um, tips at the end. Damien gives his three tips to reduce the risk of hamstring injuries, which carries over into any muscle strain principles and that sort of stuff. And so I um, had the pleasure of interviewing Damien. We meant to schedule this a few months ago, but um, when we jumped on, he, uh, Ireland was going through a massive storm and the internet connection was not great. So had to reschedule, fast forward to today, and um, it was a pleasure chatting to Damien. And the advice he gives you out, the wisdom that he shares does carry over to a lot of other just general um, hamstring or muscle strain principles. And so I hope you guys enjoy. This is being broadcast onto the Run Smarter podcast and also the Overcoming Proximal Hamstring Tendinopathy podcast because I think both audiences will benefit so much from it. So let's dive in. Damien, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Before we get started into this whole Nordic T-bar and um, talking about hamstring strains, do you mind us introducing the listeners to who you are and where you're from? Uh, so my name is Damien McMahon. I'm a chartered physiotherapist based in uh, Ireland. Um, so yeah, so um, thanks a million, Brody, for giving me the shout out. Um, I suppose I, I contacted you to um, see what you thought of my product and thankfully um, you took it on board and um, you used it. Yeah, I was super interested because they, when I had a look at your Instagram and actually saw the the product, the um, outlier T-bar, I'm just like, this is really handy because uh, you've probably had the same situation. I've been trying to rehab people, particularly with proximal hamstring tendinopathy. And a lot of my um, rehab is around deadlifts and Nordics and like eccentric 
strength. And a lot of my clients are just like, okay, I can try and do that. And I say, look, if you don't have a gym that has that particular setup, then you're going to have to find something at home. And then you're going to have to try and like put your feet under a couch or under a sofa or under something, or just have your partner hold your ankles. And it's just such a, I found a lot of people being like, no, I just can't find anything. And so there was definitely, I've witnessed a lot of struggles with this particular thing. Um, and we'll dive into that. What what was your idea behind designing a product like this? That's where the idea came from, Brody, was that I was seeing the exact same um, runners, athletes. They were being prescribed a Nordic hamstring exercise by their strength and conditioning coach or their chartered physiotherapist. But then they weren't able to do it. They were fine. They weren't having the equipment to do it. Um, they were having to maybe load up maybe 120 kg of um, weight to keep the barbell in place and they were nearly picking up injuries in other parts of their body just to have to do one exercise so um, and I know for myself I I run as well and hamstrings I know the benefit of having a strong hamstring for sprint training as well so I looked and see was there any product that was out there that it was I suppose affordable first and really compact that you could actually travel around with it as well so that's that's where the idea came from and then from there then i just designed i had decided to design it and we i got a product um made from that then and then i showed it to a few friends and a few athletes got them to use it and like the feedback was excellent like i only really had planned to yeah. have it within my clinic for the people that attend my clinic but then people were asking for outside the clinic so it just took off from there then and what what was like your first design when you said you decided to, to whip one together and see how it went? What, what Did that look much different to the, the final product that we see like on Instagram and that? Um, so the only difference was that I, the, the foam pads, I had to make them a lot larger. So that took, that probably took about three prototypes to just get that right, just for the comfort on that least tendon. So I, I, was, I, was, I was concerned about that I wouldn't be causing compression on the Achilles tendon. So the last thing I want to do is cause injury when someone's doing an exercise. So that was probably the mm. most difficult part was designing the um, foam pad so it was comfortable for the athlete. So I, I got a few athletes to use it for a couple of weeks and there was no reporting of tendon pain or heel pain in that case after using it. Okay. Have you had any background in like creating something or designing something? Because I'm just thinking of, you know, every other physio that I can think of they just say, Oh yeah, there's just no product out there. Um, maybe we'll just wait for one or maybe we'll just try some sort of alternatives. I don't know too many people that actually actively seek out to design something and create something and um, put it out in the world. So did you have any background or what was the motivation behind that? And I suppose it's, so that's, that's where my kind of background comes from then. So before um, physiotherapy, I was actually an electrician when I left school. So my mechanical mind frame came from that maybe. So I would have done six years as an electrician and then went to college um, to do a charter physiotherapist. Um, so, yeah, and I've always, and I've always have had, my brain is always thinking. Um, if you ask any of my family members or friends, they're always laughing at me because I'm trying to solve maybe a problem or give an idea for a problem. And um, my mother even commented and she said, you've always wanted to design something. But like I never went out of my way to, and I never in the wildest dreams did I ever think that I'd have a product in my hand that I could stand over and say, look, this is actually going to help people. 
Yeah. Tell us about the final product because this is a podcast, audio-based. Do you mind just describing, first of all, I don't, I'm not too sure how many people would know actually what a Nordic drop is or what that exercise is or what the product entails. So do you mind maybe just trying to create a visualization of the product and the exercise? Of course. Um, so I suppose the product is, is, is it's shaped in a T. Um, the idea is that there's a strap on it and then there's an anchor at one side and then you've got a larger anchor at the other side for your heels. So the strap, it can go under a door um, the door closes and then you've got the anchor behind the door and then from there then you become you come into your Nordic exercise. So the Nordic exercise you have to be kneeling facing away from the door two feet against the door and then you hook the other anchor points just on the top of the heels and then from here then you use that anchor point so the, the soft cushion part to lower yourself through the Nordic exercise. So your your the aim is go from f- to full extension of the knees. So you're going from a ninety degree angle, and lowering down slowly to the floor to work the hamstrings eccentrically. Mm, and it's extremely tough to do. <laughs> so you're trying to, if you're if you can imagine, like you said, facing away from the wall, kneeling on the ground, and trying to keep your body as. Uh, straight as you can from your knees up to your shoulders and then you're just lowering yourself down as slowly as you can and as you do that the hamstrings uh, have to remain really active they have to contract really strongly to keep your body from hitting the ground but because you're lowering yourself and descending yourself as slowly as you can they're lengthening so that's the eccentric component of that that strengthening Um, so was there any particular hassles or dramas or any setbacks with sort of trying to create it and design a product for this particular exercise? I suppose the, the one setback was, I, I suppose, trying to locate where the product I could make it. Um, not really a setback, I suppose I had just to research it a bit more. Um, so far, um, no, it's, I haven't had anything that I, has stopped me just yet. Um, no, it's been mm. it's like the athletes have been looking for it, and they've been the report and the feedback has been very very positive. Like even just today, um, a soccer team in Italy, so the top tier of Italy, Serie, they they um they um they purchased them a couple of weeks ago and they presented them in with their players today, and their physiotherapist got in contact with me today and it said it was a very very helpful product and they're going to use it for the preseason. So, do you know, when you have people at, at a higher, really elite level, they get to see all different products. So for someone to come back and give you that feedback is excellent. That is, that's, that's awesome. That's kind of exactly what you want when you're designing a product and selling a product is for those top tiers to give it a go and really enjoy the, the outcome. Yeah, and, that's, and that's, that's what I find difficult as well because, look, I, I didn't get into physiotherapy to sell things. I got into physiotherapy to help people. And, and that's, that's what I enjoy. I really enjoy the, the physiotherapy side of things. And, and we, we touched base before we started this. We were talking about education and empowering people and getting away from that kind of just passive treatment, maybe folks. And, okay, maybe they have to do a bit of work as well to get, get themselves um, better. But I suppose we need to educate them more about that as well and what they should be doing. So that's, I suppose, the hard, the difficult thing I find with having a product is... Um, 
that I don't I, I don't want to come across as a physiotherapist that ha has a product and the only reason they're pushing a product is because they have the product but anybody that knows me as a physiotherapist I was always recommending a Nordic exercise and it just has so much research behind it now at the moment as well and we know it does what the hamstrings do it gives you that eccentric element training element which the hamstrings are eccentrically used when we're running mm. and <clears throat> You know, as we got introduced on uh, Instagram, it was, it was a really nice idea. You, you sent me the product and I had a look at it, gave it a try and said, yeah, that's fantastic. Let's get you on the podcast to chat about it. And I found as soon as I just put it under my door, I actually used a door that was upstairs and I posted a, um, a video on my Facebook and Instagram using it. And that was a couple of months ago now, but worked perfectly straight away. And then I was trying to find a way to rig it up in my gym because I didn't want to use my the gym in my door. And I've just found it just putting it under either my squat rack or under my bench that has a particular um, firm weight to it. I find it just works perfect. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a door. It can just be any like rigid, stable structure that you can just tuck that, that anchor point underneath. It works really well. You mentioned with the eccentric component and hamstring strengthening for running for runners specifically um how important is it to strengthen their hamstrings particularly in this eccentric phase and is there i guess different types of running that might hold more relevance so i suppose you're a high speed run and that's when your hamstrings are going to come into play a bit more and test it a bit more eccentrically so so I suppose they, they need a higher element of eccentric training. Um, but at the same time, long distance runners, they're going to be exposed to maybe hill, hill, hill runs. So running down, they're going to be exposed to that eccentric element as well. Um, mm. So train, training your hamstrings eccentrically is very important, but also that isometric um, element as well. So that's sometimes neglected as well. And I suppose we that might be a feature of why we get injured as well at that terminal swing when the heel strikes the floor there might be an element of isometric um, contraction that might be a risk factor as well for a hamstring injury so i like to expose both the eccentric and the isometric um, exercise for um, any athletes that i'm working with um, that do running or high speed running okay and in terms of dosages if someone was to have this t-bar and was to just say they don't do any speed work and they just want to strengthen their their hamstrings just to become more resilient what would the the isotonic kind of and isometric variations look like um so so if they have no real experience with the nordic exercise i'd i'd, I'd nearly get them doing maybe just isometric holes maybe halfway just to get them used to that movement because that adaptation of the hamstring becomes more greatest when we get towards the end range of it. So when our chest is nearly hitting the floor. And from my experience, that's where the athletes fail in the Nordic exercise. So they fail in that maybe last 40 to 30 degrees. So I might start with an isometric hold, start in maybe 15 seconds by three to four reps. And then trying to increase that frequency then to maybe four times or up to four reps for 40 seconds over maybe a period of four to six weeks 
and in the eccentric element in after the, they have the ability to do that i bring in the eccentric element in and i'd start off low rep range and gradually build that up so maybe start off at maybe four reps by two sets just to get used to that eccentric element and then when they have that ability i i'd come back up to maybe six reps by four sets and then work my way down because if they're going into training in season we don't have, want to have too much eccentric training before they're going running because we know that that can weaken the hamstrings just for a period of time if they are doing training close to their running so i nearly prefer to do the eccentric training after the running yes yeah that makes a whole lot of sense and i think people can underestimate if they haven't done eccentric work before how intense it is and especially if you're doing this nordic sort of movement it's hard to do but you're not getting the same fatigue or pump like you would if you're doing like a bicep curl or a squat and so people can easily get away with doing say you know five sets of eight to ten and then all of a sudden like the next day they can hardly walk and it's um it's interesting to to know how strong you need to be to get um, a, a full effect of or like get really strong eccentrically so i like how you recommend starting with those isometrics just lowering yourself halfway and just trying to hold that just to first of all get used to the exercise but have your body get used to that particular contraction because it is quite foreign for most people yeah and, and a nice regression then could be maybe you might have a gym ball in front of you um so you could roll out the gym ball as you're going into that eccentric element um, as I was saying, that 30 to 40 degrees um, at the end range, that's when usually people find it difficult to hold, keep going, so they lose that um, hamstring contraction. So that's another way I like to bring it in, or you could use a, a rolly chair, um, something that's just moving forward as you're lowering yourself down. Yeah, and you're kind of putting your support on that ball as you roll forward, so it's not your entire body doing that eccentric component. That's really nice. I think I might need to start with that. And I for most of the recreational runners that are out there, they're not super elite athletes. So they'll need to have some sort of regression just to make a start. I think that's a really good tip, really good idea. Any other modifications or progressions that you like to see with your athletes? So then uh, another one then would be the, the razor curl. Um, so I might bring, so it's it, the movement, I suppose is similar to the deadlift action. So you're, hitching from hitching from the hips while you're getting that while the t-bar is pulling the hamstrings you're just bending through the hips trying to bring your nose to the floor and then back up that can be and then after that then you're bending through the hips and then you're moving your body forward to get that eccentric element of the hamstrings so we know that that has an isometric contraction as well as an eccentric and you're able to work that lower end of the Nordic exercise or what is known as a razor card. So I like to mm. vary between that exercise then as well. Yeah, people get super, super strong hamstrings if they're doing a combination of all these. <laughs> so that, yeah. that razor curl, what you're describing is instead of the normal Nordic where you've got your knees and your shoulders um, creating a completely straight line, you're now just dipping at the hips. So your knees are bent at 90 degrees and you're just um, dipping forward like a drinking bird and trying to yeah, get point your nose down to the ground to them curling back up into that starting position. And then did you mention, so like a, a variation as you curl down and sort of as you get that drinking bird action, you hold that bend and then try and extend yourself out even further? 
Yeah, so I suppose like the drinking bird, if the, if they have um, a ball on the ground, they're trying to push the ball forward along the floor. Okay, wow. I haven't tried that. <laughs> would you say like progressions like that would be um, necessary for runners or is it more like, you know, sporting athletes, soccer players, a lot of like sprinting components involved? Yeah, I suppose people that need that high element of eccentric strain. So yeah, so I suppose your yeah your people that are going to be sprinting background that are going to be really exposing themselves to that terminal swing often. Um, but but like the the evidence shows that the contraction is a, a, a little bit lesser for the eccentric part compared to the Nordic, but the isometric is a bit higher. Mm, yeah, well I do know recreational runners that are they're doing say short intervals or they're doing strides or they're, you know, competing in track. There's a whole bunch of different elements to the running. There's hill sprints that, like you say, running downhill, which is a lot more of that eccentric um, demand. And so there's still, uh, I think people need to really strengthen up their hamstrings because I see proximal hamstring tendinopathy so often. And, you know, I just did a podcast episode on muscle strain. So it's pretty timely that this, um, episodes gone out. Um, any other progressions or modifications or any other, um, yeah, examples of different exercises with the Nordic T-bar? Um, so, so patellar tendinopathy, I suppose, you, so the experience of pain at the front of the knee, um, you could do the Spanish squat with it. Um, so what it can do is it can go up the side of the um, door, close the door, and then you've got the calf muscles to so the back of the thigh, you can lean into a squat in that position and hold the squat. So you can sit back into ah. your squat and hold that as an isometric contraction as well. Okay, interesting. I'll have to give that one a go and probably post it onto Facebook and Instagram as well. That's that's quite creative of you. <laughs> but I mainly the main main idea is is the Nordics and the Razor cards. It's mainly for um, hamstrings, uh, just because I see the difficulty every day that. People are just reporting that they find it difficult to set up their Nordic and they just leave it out. And look, it's one of the best ways of getting your e-sector training in um, without having to have a big piece of equipment, without having to join a gym. It can be there for you. As you said, you can put it under a gym rack at home um, once that there's something to anchor it and that's stable. Yeah. And it's kind of unfortunate that it's such an awkward movement that requires something like your device, which is so simple that like, if you don't have that device, it's really, really hard to, to set up something. And so you've definitely found a gap in, in the market. So what, where does it ship to? Like where, what's the price and where can we um, learn more and then find out where to buy it? Um, so physiorecoverium.ie is my website. Um, I sh- I'm shipping to all the world and like if the country isn't on my website i receive an email and then i'll um i'll 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 see can i post it to that person and like uh, like australia wasn't on it until i sent it to yourself roddy and then (laughs) after that i had to keep it on it because there was there was keen interest um so yeah so whoever reaches out to me um i'll i'll see what see um how i can get it to and um, the price then, I suppose I, I, I only have in euros. Um, so it's um, retailing at 55 euro. Um, that would equate to what, maybe $110 would it be? Close to, yeah. I'm not too 
I haven't been checking the conversion rates these days, but yeah, it's it's somewhere around double. So maybe a hundred Australian and maybe about oh, 60 US, something like that. Yeah, so physiorecoveryroom.e is the website and then the Instagram is um, outlier, outlier Nordic T-Bar. Um, and, and the outlier is just like the, the name of your product? So the outlier came from, I suppose, um, outlier means it's something that stands out amongst others. So I, I actually got a book off a friend of mine and I just I just uh, took, I liked the name, I liked the meaning of it. <laughs> And I joined it with the the, the T-bar because I could, you can't use um, hamstring because it's a, if you want to patent it, you can't use a name that's unpatentable. So a hamstring is too common. Yeah. Something I know nothing about patenting like certain products, but all the links will go into the show notes for people to find. And I think it's super easy just to go to Instagram and have a look at the product, have a look at how the product is used because there's a whole bunch of different posts of people using it in different, in different ways and different um, variations. So, um, if you want to learn more about the product, that's, it's there. Um, Damien, I wanted to finish off with your three tips to prevent, uh, reduce the risk of hamstring injuries. So, um, I think that'd be really nice, especially given that I've recently done an episode on hamstring strains. Um, so what do you have for us? So I suppose we've already touched on the eccentric strength. So that's very important. You have like you have to be doing some tra- strength training as a runner. Um, you have to load your muscles. You have to build that capacity up. Yes, you're going to build your capacity up with running, but the strength training is going to build that capacity as well in in, in your um, strength training. So exposing yourself to eccentric training, like your Nordic exercise, and then isometric contractions as well, and that can be done through maybe a, a single leg bridge, um, holding building that up to a 40, 40 second to forty five second hold by four reps. And that can be progressed in maybe onto heel on a box and holding that in as well and for that isometric contraction as well. But that's that's definitely something that I think runners neglect because maybe they think that they're going to put on muscle mass and it's going to slow down their times for running. Um, but we know that it, it, it helps the running economy and it reduces uh, injury as well for them. So that, that, I suppose, is my number one tip. Then the second one, um, I suppose, is exposure to just higher speed running. Um, not too frequently, maybe once once a week. Um, something, so going to the track, exposing yourself to short little bursts and taking adequate time then in between those bursts. So, for example, maybe exposing yourself to a 60-meter run and then taking maybe five minutes of a break because we know that we five to six minutes of a break because we know we need that energy to store back before we go back into that um, high speed running again and then the third tip i suppose is is just just getting our loading management right so definitely definitely make contact or train with a coach that has experience in your type of running and um, you need that feedback you need that education that you're going in the right direction because we know that training error just accounts for too many injuries as well and um, so it could be small tweaks of how much loading you're doing each week and just having someone with expertise to keep an eye on that for you fantastic i think number three the load management stuff um the listeners of the podcast be right on board with because that's a, a lot i talk about it a lot it's all about managing your load and making sure there's no spikes in 
training that exceed like the certain capacity of a joint or, or a muscle yeah. or a tendon. The I'm also of the component that if you're, if running creates a certain demand, let's like hone in on the hamstring. If your running demands have um, like reach a certain capacity, how about you train and strengthen your hamstrings that far surpass the demands that's required for running, even for sprinting, even for like these short intervals, that's going to significantly reduce your injury because it's going to be so much harder to surpass the capacity and exceed that um, current adaptation zone. That's uh, a real good component. So if you have that in mind and have the idea to just get really, really strong, it's going to be super hard for you to break down when you start running um, it's yeah. definitely going to reduce that risk. And then that second point that you've mentioned with exposing yourself to high speed running, that's super important because I find a lot of runners just, they get in, they get stuck into a groove where they're running 5k three or four times a week with the same pace, the same speed every time. And they tend to lack that stimulus. They tend to lack that, um, that challenge to stimulate the body in different ways. And it's a particularly, uh, important task that I ask for masters runners as well, because they get a little bit slower as the years go on. They just, um, you know, they slowly start to turn into more of a shuffle and the research has shown and experts have constantly advised, mix up your, your speeds, mix up your um, training in different ways, stimulate things because even if it's just once every two weeks, that's enough to kind of stimulate the muscles to be like, Oh, this is different. Let me make sure I adapt to that for next time. And I really like that. And people like variety as well. People love variety in their training and not just getting too monotonous and boring. And so I really like that tip as well. Thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and I, I just see that frequently as well, that high speed running isn't in the programming. And like little as 150 to 300 meters can build robustness in our hamstrings. But once it's done correctly, so people, when they do their sprint training, they don't take the adequate rest periods. So they, they might, so like we know that for every 10 meters, you should be taking a minute break if you're reaching that high speed running. So for, if we're going for 60 meters, it should be six minutes of a rest period. But we know that between 150 to 300 meters, it can be adequate enough to build a base for hamstring eccentric strength. Yeah. I don't think runners have the right mentality to take extended rests in between their running sets. So no. uh, very good tip. Would that be the case for say eccentric exercises as well? If you're doing a Nordic sort of stuff, Are that, should people be taking longer rests in between their sets compared to what they're used to with say squats and calf raises and those sort of exercises? Yeah. I, I, I like to superset them so they're, they, they, they will take that break. So yeah, between two to three minutes of a break between each set, and I I I know from experience, like you don't want to have five exercises, and by the end of that session, you nearly have fifteen to thirty minutes of rest periods in that session. Because I won't do that program, um. So you have to understand that you know time is of the essence. So I like to superset it maybe with a quad and hamstring. So go reverse Nordics mm. and maybe a Nordic hamstring exercise for the hamstrings. Yeah. So when you say superset, you mean like stepping away, like in between sets, stepping away and doing another exercise 
and usually being another muscle group before going back so that you've had the rest, but still as a time efficient way, you're just getting as many exercises in as possible. Yeah, exactly. Great. Damien, I'll leave all those links in the show notes to your website and to Instagram and where people can um, have a look and if they want purchase this product. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about this. Um, I know we've honed in on the hamstring itself, but there's a lot of key takeaways that people can have around like management for a whole bunch of different muscle groups. And I think the principles still carry over to things like the calf and the quad and the glutes. So um, people take a lot away from this information. So thanks for coming on and sharing. Thanks a million for having me again, Brody. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thanks once again for listening and taking control of your rehab. If you are a runner and love learning through the podcast format, then go ahead and check out the Run Smarter podcast hosted by me. I'll include the link along with all the other links mentioned today in the show notes. So open up your device, click on the show description, and all the links will be there waiting for you. Congratulations on paving your way forward towards an empowering, pain-free future. And remember, knowledge is power.